Welcome. Everything is great. You are listening to Fork and Bullshirt, the Good Place podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Vivian. And we'll be the architects of your journey into the afterlife. This week we're talking about Season 2, Episode 4, Teen Cockroach. This episode was written by Dan Schofield, who last wrote Season 1, Episode 8, Most Improved Player. This episode was directed by Morgan Sackett, who last directed Season 1, Episode 5, Category 55, Emergency Doomsday Crisis. And this episode aired October 5th, 2017. We got some response from our last episode, and I just want to quickly go over some of that. Ruji Q from Twitter pointed out that during our conversation on whether Janet knows who real Eleanor is, she pointed out that Eleanor once asked if someone from her past was gay, and Janet answered. This was in the premiere, so I think it's fairly clear that she does have her file, but maybe that file still doesn't say she belongs in the bad place. Alan, at Chipper Allen on Twitter, had a couple of interesting thoughts. He said... This episode makes me think of karma in the true religious sense. Your karma influences your reincarnation. You don't remember your past life, but it affects everything about your current one. Michael is adjusting their experience based on their past behavior in just this way. Which makes very good sense. He's changing things up. He's trying to figure out, okay, what's going to work this time? How can I make it actually a torturous experience for them? Based on their previous iteration. Yeah, exactly. Kate at I Do Human Things said, If Janet soaks up humanity like a sponge, could her exposure to the demons turn her into a bad Janet? It's an interesting thought. I don't think so, but... I don't think so either. I feel like bad Janet has very specific programming that good Janet won't have. Mm -hmm. Um, She says in this particular episode that she is built to make humans happy. So that core purpose... I don't think could change just based on who she's around. Right. She might be a little bit more negative, though. We did see that she was a little bit different with Jason last season when she was spending a lot of time with him. And she is different in this particular episode. So she's not totally static as a character, but I don't think she could be that fundamentally changed. Yeah, I don't think they could convert her. Mm Mm-mm. All right, so let's get into the episode. Michael wants to team up with the Core Four. They're skeptical of his time-sensitive offer, so they take a moment to talk it over on their own. Chidi suggests they ask questions before agreeing to anything, and they reconvene with Michael. Michael tells them everything. Okay, so this is sort of the first section of this episode, where we're just getting a lot of answers, and we're sort of being told a lot of things that we as an audience already know. Mm Mm-hmm. Or have hypothesized. Yes. Definitely on this show, we've done that. Yeah. (laughs) These two clam chowder restaurant names are some of my favorite restaurant names so far. Really? Little bit chowder now and pump up the clam. Oh, yeah. They're so good. I just, I love them a lot. I don't really get the little bit chowder now. Little bit louder now. No? Is it a song? I I don't know, isn't it? I think it's like a song or it's a lyric anyway. Okay. (laughs) Let's get a little bit louder now. I I don't know. (laughs) And then pump up the clam. Come on, that's great. Pump up the jam. Pump it up. I really hope that's the only song that they play. In that restaurant? Yes. That would be torture, right? Right off the bat, I don't like this Eleanor. Oh, no? How come? 
because it reminds me of pre-death Eleanor too much. Okay, yeah. And she's cold. She's closed off. She's guarded. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't trust anybody. No, not at all. I agree. I think that Eleanor has basically regressed yes. in this episode. We see her as she was in episode one of season one, kind of. But even then, she seems really, really defensive. Mm -hmm. She's tense. She's irritable. Like, she snaps at Tahani. She slaps Jason. And she acts like she's suddenly the boss of everyone. Right. Right? Um, I think that's the situation. I think it's the stress of knowing that she's been duped 800 plus times. And now, finally, this guy or this demon wants to team up with her. Mm -hmm. Right? So she's like extra defensive. Yeah, definitely. But I did notice that Chidi isn't panicking at all. No, he's not. And it's only been a week. Mm-hmm. So something seems different with Chidi. Like he doesn't seem like season one, episode one Chidi. Right. Like I got a stomachache suddenly. Like I'm really worried and apprehensive and mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on and I don't know what to do. I'm conflicted. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I'm vexed, Eleanor. Exactly. Right? He seems very calm. Yes, he is. And he's thinking rationally, and he actually asks really good questions, too. When he's talking to, to Michael, and he comes up with a good suggestion of, like, we should ask Michael as many questions as possible. Mm -hmm. Try and get a, a lay of the land here. So then Michael tells them what's going to happen if they don't go along with this plan. And this is the first time that the core four are actually told that this version of the bad place is actually a lot nicer than the real bad place. Right. Right? This is psychological torture, and the real bad place is physical torture. Yeah, I'm assuming also with a mix of psychological, but we've really only heard about physical torture. Yeah. So I think this is kind of a big moment for them because they really have no concept of what the bad place is supposed to really be like. They only have this version. Mm-hmm. So it's important for them to know it could be a lot worse. I think if Michael took them on a trip to the actual bad place, that might make them start going along with his plan very quickly. Oh my gosh. It would change their mind. I just imagine Michael as like Miss Frizzle or Mrs. Frizzle, <laughs> just like taking him on a bus like, all right, let's go on a date trip, kids. <laughs> and then Chidi's like, oh, I should have stayed at home. Here are the lava pits. <laughs> and uh, here's that chowder of pain I was talking about. And this is the twisting department. Say hi to your uh, past soulmate, Eleanor. <laughs> oh, man. if you look to your right, you'll see the butthole spiders. Oh, they're enormous. <laughs> Another little thing I noticed is that Michael says that he can't predict the future. So I guess he doesn't exist outside of time, like I assumed. Right. It seems like he's experiencing time linearly, like human beings, but he's just simply immortal, mm -hmm. right? So time is less meaningful because he has Infinite as much of it as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Jason, I wanted to ask you, the sparkler joke for Jason in this episode, what do you think of it? Poor, poor Jason Mendoza. He's getting turned into a complete moron. The writers are dumbing him down over and over and over again. And it's supreme version of flanderization. 
So like he is way dumber than he was initially, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Give him something shiny to play with. Like, I mean, I get it, but I get that that's what Eleanor assumes, that he's just the dumbest person in the world. And at that point, I would like to see Jason maybe act a little indignant or something or say something smart or semi-smart or like not act like a complete child. Yeah. I mean, the joke, it works up until the point that he is waving it around in her little courtyard Mm -hmm. and just not paying attention to the conversation at all. I actually really think it's funny Manny Jacinto does a great job of just gasping Mm -hmm. and looking so excited about a stupid sparkler. Right. But then you're like, okay, guy, you know, there's this big thing going on right now and you're honestly distracted by a sparkler. Okay. Well, to be fair, didn't Michael say in the first few episodes that his IQ was what? Of a seven-year-old or something? Well, that is what he told Jason when he was lying to him. I don't know if that was a big lie. It might have been one of those very close to the truth kind of lies. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That's a good point. But still, not all seven-year-olds are that dumb. Yeah, no. (laughs) I've met a lot of seven-year-olds that are a lot smarter than that. I guess I just want character development and some depth from him. So I'm kind of getting tired of this whole, Jason's an idiot. It's the same joke over and over again. Right. We need to do more with him. And I think that Manny Jacinto can do a lot more He as deserves well. more. So I'm hoping that we get something from him now that the season is like properly starting. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be on the lookout for that. Next episode, we should see some interesting developments, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that they stopped calling him Jianyu, thank goodness. So at least the show is getting some good points for that. <laughs> that was really getting on your nerves. It really was, yeah. So one of our listeners, Anya, at Strangely Literal on Twitter, digitized the graph from this episode, and she did some hell math for us to calculate the length of time that the core four have been in the bad place. Now, what's hell math? For our listeners who don't know what that is. Hellmath is a shout out to Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast. Um, they do some some great math to try to figure out the interesting elements of the Hellmouth. Yeah, okay. it's a lot of fun. So check out that podcast if you're a fan of Buffy. And if you're not a fan of Buffy, why are you not a fan of Buffy? Okay. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I'm going to get passionate about it. All right. Back to the graph. I was way off. My estimate was extremely low. Very, very conservative. Mm-hmm. Extremely. I think I guessed like 40 to 50 years. Yeah, a lot of people had much lower than this. So on the part of the graph that we see, it's been roughly 220 years. But Anya estimates 350 years total if you assume that it's been the same pattern for all 800 attempts. If we were able to see the entire graph. Yes, which unfortunately we're not, but we'll we'll make some assumptions. She said that the average attempt was 5.23 months, so just a little bit less than five and a half months. So that's not great. Our longest one is 11 months. 11, right. So we know that he hasn't even made it a year. <laughs> yeah, and his he initial <laughs> his initial goal was thousands of years. Yeah. 
really, he's been doing it for 350. Mm -hmm. So if you just don't mind that there's been several attempts. Right. He's on track, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of. (laughs) It's kind of scary to think about, though. Like, 350 years, everybody, all of them has ever known and loved is long gone and dead. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Huh. The world is so different now. Tahani would be... Trump is finally not president. Tahani... Because he died oh my God. <laughs> forever ago. Okay. Tahani would probably take satisfaction in knowing that her sister is dead. Yeah, I'm hoping that means that we get to see Camilla at some point in the afterlife. That would be fun. She's Except, in the good place. Uh, I don't want her to be in the good place. Please tell me not. She's, She's not definitely in the good place. In the good place. No, 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 no. I mean, the show's going to do that because they want to torture Tahani, but come I'm on. I'm sure the the boss, the main boss of all good places was a huge Camilla fan. Ugh. Loved what she did. Uh, really jammed out to Camilla's music. Couldn't wait until she died, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably okay. took her early. <laughs> oh, goodness. Get an autograph. <laughs> I just can't wait any longer. So I scooped her out real early. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Anya, for that. That was fantastic. I love that uh, I love that you did that. Another little thing I noticed is that Michael says he sat on the activator by mistake and he ended up having a butt reboot. That eight second one? Yeah. So that means the snapping is just for show. Well, no. Well, I think that the snapping is erasing their memories, but I guess that there's like a reset button maybe in his office or something. Okay. So he erases their memories and then he goes and resets Janet and then... And then he, you know, messes around with the neighborhood as need be, changes the punny restaurant names and then boom, right? Or plans things out a little bit Mm -hmm. and then there you go. I just wonder if this is going to come into play later. Somebody finds the activator? Yeah. Maybe it's just in a drawer in his desk, and it's this big red button that says reset. And Vicky gets really mad and decides to press it. I don't know. I wonder. What if, what if, what if, hear me out. Okay. What if Michael gets memory wiped and doesn't know that he's a demon? Oh my god. Oh my god, I want that. Oh, that would be good. Oh, man. We'd have like a Tabula Rasa Buffy episode situation. <gasps> like Ready, Randy? Ready, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. Oh, I want this. Huh. I want this to okay. happen. Even we'll if just... it's just like a little SNL skit that they end up doing at We'll some just put point. it on the back burner for now. Oh, I want that. Okay. Oh, that sounds so good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just excited about that. Or even Janet. Yeah. Well... I think she would just, yeah, she would know because her memory, her brain, she doesn't really have a brain. She has a... Motherboard. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although she's not a robot. Not a robot. But she does say that she might be the most advanced Janet in the universe. Which I would believe. Mm-hmm. I don't think there'd been every, I don't think there have been any situations where a Janet has been rebooted as many times as this one. I doubt it. Yeah. Do you think that this awareness Do you think that this awareness of her status will help her with her social awareness and abilities? Absolutely. She's already acting more human and the way she speaks and interacts with Jason and Eleanor and Michael. Okay. 
Cool. I'm excited to see the changes in Janet. Mm -hmm. I feel like she'd be able to offer her abilities before being asked them. What, like predicting what people want? Uh, maybe. Or j hmm. just not so much predicting, but um, suggesting she do something like, I could do this for you. Or instead of somebody asking her, like, Janet, can you do this? She would take in what's going on in the situation around them and understand what would be needed from her. Okay, interesting. Be more in tune of the group and people around her. Hmm. So more aware. Okay. I guess. I feel like she's just going to present more human. Mm-hmm. Like, her voice might stop sounding as robotic, even though she's not a robot. You know, she's got that kind of Alexa, Google, whatever voice mm -hmm. um, that Darcy Carden is fantastic at doing. So I think that's kind of going to be a big change that we're going to see. Maybe just a bit of a more normal cadence. Mm -hmm. During this whole part when Michael is saying, well, lies are better when they're close to the truth. I thought it was great that we got some of this information that we already knew because it helps us realize that Michael is actually being pretty honest with the core four. Yeah, almost like, everything he said resonates Mm -hmm. We've already heard this when he says that he stole a good place, Janet. We knew that from season one. They have no idea if he's actually telling the truth. But us as viewers, we're thinking, no, 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 he is. He is being honest with you. And in this part two, I want to address something that some viewers have been wondering about. Um, some people have been wondering why Michael would even have a Janet in this neighborhood. Because it's not as though humans would expect one, so why not get rid of her if she creates all this extra work for him, like having to be reset every time, mm -hmm. and if she foils his plans. So in this moment, Michael says that there has to be a Janet in every neighborhood, good or bad, so it is possible that a neighborhood wouldn't function without a Janet. Right. Michael doesn't have a choice. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a writer, of course, you're just putting this in because you want to have a Janet. Right? You want a Janet to be necessary. You want to keep Darcy Carden on the show. Um, but I feel like she really is vital to every neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You have to have one. So that begs the question, where did the Janet come from when the quote-unquote bad Janet came to visit them in the first season? Did she come from a neighborhood that suddenly was without a Janet? I think she was from the neighborhood that... Adam, Scott, uh, Trevor was from. So that means Janets can leave their neighborhood. It appears to be so, yeah. We know that this Janet can leave and go to the medium place. We don't know if this Janet could go somewhere like the good place, the actual one. Right. So we don't know their actual like guidelines or proximities or whatever. But, but I feel like we're going to learn that. Right. We're going to figure out if Janet can go to the... AGP, the actual the good place. actual good place. Yeah. And we get another little bit of tidbit of information here when Michael says that the Bad Place Bureau of Human Affairs, that's the office that he works for. So I love that because it's like a state department. Yeah, it's very formal and official and business-like. Yeah, I really wonder what other branches there are. Mm -hmm. Very curious. And we know that Michael 
knows about the medium place. Which, what? I was, okay, I was very surprised. I did not think that he knew about it. Yeah, and he's so just, he so calmly says, oh, and I hated that you guys slipped away there. And like, he had no control. Yeah, how does he not have he control? He can't control the train. Janet's the only one that can control the train. Mm-hmm. She can, she's the only one that can call the train. Couldn't he see what they're doing and then snap his fingers, restart things, or... Maybe he had to let it happen. Hmm. Maybe there was no good reason for him to interfere. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll find out. That's odd. And then Eleanor, when she finds out that the medium place is actually real, she glances over at Chidi. So I think she's thinking about that video and realizing, oh, I guess that was real. That's all real. Yeah. Oh boy. I am very excited for Chidi to find out about that VHS. Yeah, Cannonball Run (laughs) 2. Well, tell me what happened in the first one, though, so I'm caught up. The first one, you banged. (laughs) <laughs> the second one you also banged <laughs> okay all right so let's continue eleanor doesn't want to go along with michael's plan but she reconsiders when he says that he can get them to the real good place chidi thinks they should team up with michael eleanor is resistant and tahani believes there was an error and she should be in the real good place michael shows tahani how she died crushed by a golden statue of her sister Called it. Wah, wah, Jason's wah. right again. What up, homie G? <laughs> you thought she was going to be crushed by her sister? No, but I knew Camilla would be involved. Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Of course. That's all of Tahani's life. Exactly. Camilla's always butting in where she doesn't belong. Right. So it wasn't really a far reach for me to call that, but, you know, still feels nice to be validated. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. But it's nice that we finally find out how Tahani died. Yes, Lots yes. of people have been wondering whether that was going to be important to the storyline or whether Tahani was actually in on it the whole time or, or what, because we didn't see her death. But now that we know. Yeah, and washed. in season one, she tells us that she sacrificed herself to save others. How is this a sacrifice at all? Unless she's trying to save other people from Camilla, which that's a stretch. Tahani, okay? Everything Tahani does is a stretch. Because she's, <laughs> so she's tall. a giraffe. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, okay. So before we go a little bit more in depth with Tahani's death sequence, I guess. Holy mother forkin' shirt balls. The real good place. Okay. This part took me completely off guard. I was not expecting this. Do you think Michael is lying? Nope. Not even slightly. Do you think that the plan he proposes could actually work? Them going, him pleading his, you know, change of heart, I suppose, and them actually getting in? No. Okay. (laughs) What about you? I don't think Michael is lying. I don't think this is him just trying to figure out a way. I feel like Yes, of course, he has to figure out something that will convince them. But I feel like he's not really lying. He's just sort of saying, like, this is a possible thing I could do. Mm -hmm. You know, I could look into it. He doesn't make any promises. He doesn't say, I absolutely will get you in there 100%. 
just that he will try. I also think it's Michael's last chance to not be retired. Yes, that if too. If it all goes south and Sean finds out and this might be Michael's only chance to not be, you know, obliterated. Yeah, it might be his only hope, for sure. And as far as the plan actually working, well, if The Good Place loves redemption arcs as much as TV writers do, then I'd say yes. Right. And I mean, it is supposed to be The Good Place. Yeah. So, you know, if Michael takes these ethics lessons and actually becomes a bit better... I don't know. I don't know how much better he can become as an actual demon, Mm -hmm. but I'm very excited to see it. I don't think he's lying, though. I really don't. He says, please, sir, take pity on me. I've changed. That's what his proposed speech is when he gets there, Mm -hmm. which sounds a lot like Eleanor in season one. If she was caught after doing all these after doing all these ethics lessons, like, hey, maybe I do belong in a good place because I've changed. I'm a different person now. Mm-hmm. So okay. we're getting some Michael and Eleanor parallels. Very nice. I like that. Yeah. I wonder if that's actually something he would end up saying kind of sincerely. Oh, man, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm just so excited for the future of this show. Okay. So the one line that Tahani gives that extremely obviously spells out her character. Mm-hmm. I'd like to speak to your manager. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She just needs that haircut. She just needs the haircut. (laughs) The little bob. Yeah. So we get to see Tahani's death and I thought that they changed actresses for Camilla the whole time (laughs) I was watching it. You were confused. You were a little confused. I was watching it and I was like, she looks a lot paler and just generally different. And I know that her hair is different and that kind of stuff, but I honestly thought it was a different actress. I went back. It's not. She has the same beauty mark on her face. It's just her eyebrows are a little different. Anyway, I got confused by brows. (laughs) (laughs) But Camilla's terrible. Like, she's actually the worst. Not recognizing her own sister. Mm Mm-hmm. How is that possible? I know that she's wearing a different outfit, but she still has the same face. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, not inviting your sister to an important event and then saying you don't even think about her? That's really harsh. It's really mean. Maybe she wouldn't be in the good place just for that sentence. That's what I'm thinking. Like, how could a person who is that horrible to their own flesh and blood, you know, when that flesh and blood isn't horrible to you, Mm -hmm. right? How can that person go to the good place? I mean, I feel like the show's going to do it just so we get that moment. But it won't make sense to me. Right. If that's what happens. I really like Tahani's line saying that she was supposed to be in Haiti being photographed helping people. Mm-hmm. Emphasizing the being photographed helping people. Not just helping people, but making sure everybody sees me helping people. And yeah. probably tweeting about it the whole time. Like, look at me. I'm helping people. Mm-hmm. Aren't I the best? So selfless. Yeah. Sounds a lot like President of the United States. Yeah, if Tahani was throwing, like, canned food at people from Puerto Rico. Not canned food. Paper towels. He was trying to throw canned food, and they told him not to. (laughs) Anyway, 
Tahani is definitely the kind of person who helps someone cross the street and then makes like 10 posts about it. And makes sure that everybody notices what she's doing. Yeah. Like, look at me. I'm so selfless. I'm helping this old lady cross the street. Yeah. She would be helpless without me. Does this change your perception of Tahani? Because I know last season you were very much on her side. You were saying she really should have gotten into the good place because of all the money she made for all these people. Mm-hmm. Do you feel differently about her now? Or about know. her it's... status in the bad place? I mean, I guess I understand why she is in the bad place, but I still think the money is very important. So the money outweighs the intention still. It's tough. I, I'd like to say yes. Okay. Regardless of what you want to say about the money, it's still helping people. Oh, absolutely. But when you look at it through the eyes of the good place and who it accepts and it makes sense Mm -hmm. so it's not out of the goodness of her heart right right? yeah helping raise ten dollars from with pure intentions outweighs a million dollars of false crappy intentions Mm -hmm. doing it to prop yourself up right okay um one thing that surprised me about jason is when he was telling his story. About the bowtie man? Yes. He hotwired a boat. Hmm. He's got the skills to hotwire a boat. He's not all that dumb. Okay. That's just a little thought I was thinking while I was listening to him tell his story about his bowtie man. It's too bad there aren't cars and or boats in the good place. Well, it just shows that he's not entirely devoid of skills or knowledge yeah, or abilities practical skills that's right. good those are very important street smarts cool okay and that he's also just a little too trusting <laughs> yeah that's yeah. another takeaway <laughs> shall we continue everyone is on board with michael's plan except eleanor she pretends to take a moment alone to think about it but instead she plans her escape chidi catches her leaving and his words inspire her to speak to michael once more She agrees to work with Michael if he takes ethics lessons with the rest of them. Oh, Tahani. I think that we should all stay here and try to build a better Tahani. (laughs) I see you're still self-obsessed. Yeah, you haven't learned a thing, girl. (laughs) We're not here just for you, okay? I hope you learn that. (laughs) Um, Eleanor, at this point in the episode, reminds me of... I think it was episode four when she confesses to Chidi that people who are better than her make her feel really insecure. Mm -hmm. And that I think is what she's lashing out at here. And she feels like everyone's against her. And I like that the blocking in this scene, like the way that everyone is positioned, they're all on one side of the room. Mm -hmm. And then Eleanor is alone. She's isolated pretty much the entire episode. But she's doing it to herself. She's making up all this stuff to get upset about, right? Yep. Like, no one's saying that they're better than her. They're just saying this is a good chance for us. It's the way she sees everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a smart move, blocking-wise. I thought that was a a good visual cue. She's on her own at this point. Or that's how she feels. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like Chidi again. I feel like he's just so different in this episode, and I love it. Like, he's so decisive. Because he isn't wondering about the moral implications of teaming up with a demon. He's not panicking over what Kant would say about that. Because there is a big element of lying here. 
right? Pretending that you've been wiped when you haven't been. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to see that he's not waffling over this decision. He's committed. It It's confusing to me. Yeah. Why he's not, because he is so different than what he would be on day seven of season one. Mm. I think that his line when he says that he was trying to learn the fundamental truths about the universe and he was trying to be a good person and it just turned out that he was wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that really informs why he's so different in this episode. Yep. I think he realizes there's so much I still need to learn. And clearly what I was doing on Earth wasn't actually good enough. So I have to take this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because what else can I do? Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I think he feels like he's been backed into a corner. Um, but he's still feeling really... Or he still appears very decisive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, of course, there's that nice little moment where Eleanor finds out that Chidi never let her down. That he always helped her. Which is a very sweet moment. Um, and it seems to really just change her opinion completely. Do you have any thoughts about that? I think it's Eleanor just realizing that Chidi's good. Yeah? She wants to believe that he's he has faults. And that he would turn her down every once in a while. Mm, okay. But finding out that there's literally no occasion where that happened... She realizes that he would do anything and always would do anything to help her out. Yeah. In every version of this afterlife, he has done the right thing. Right. So this version of her has to do the right thing too. Okay. I think there's an element of knowing that she was once in love with this person as well. I think that plays into it. Like, I loved him. He loved me. He was always there for me. I trusted Whether him or not. then. Maybe yeah. I should trust him now. Yeah, I think so. I think that plays into it. And I really like the condition that Eleanor gives Michael, that he has to come to the ethics lessons. I mm -hmm. think that's fantastic, and I didn't predict it at all. Um, so that was a nice surprise, mm -hmm. for sure. And I love Michael's reaction of like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to class. He's I'm like, like, you're kidding me, right? Like, this is a huge joke, right? You can't make me do that. <laughs> There's literally no reason for me to do this. I am a demon. Yeah, I, I'm inherently bad. That's kind of my deal, you know? Anyway, it's it's a great moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else to say about this part? Yeah, when, when uh, Eleanor talks to Chidi and says, look, bro, I don't owe you anything. I got to do what's right for me. And it sounded a lot like when Eleanor was talking with Mindy in season 10 of, in episode 10 of season one, when Mindy says, there's no time for the morality nonsense, sweetheart. This is about survival. You got to look out for number one. Right. So you got to do what's good for you. And Eleanor is basically saying that right back at Chidi, like, mm -hmm. look, I got to do what's good for me. And the thing is, how is this going to work out if she actually leaves? If she goes to the medium place, maybe Michael will try it with the other three. But then what is everyone going to say about Eleanor being missing? Like, mm -hmm. she actually would be dooming everyone else. And I think over time, I don't think it would take very long, but she would feel super guilty. Yeah, I feel like on the ride there. Yeah, she that She would quickly, start huh? reg regretting it, yeah. yeah. Maybe... 
maybe once she gets to Mindy's house and Mindy's being weird about her masturbation time, <laughs> maybe then Eleanor will go, hmm, probably should have stayed back there. <laughs> and lastly, my last little thought was when Eleanor turns Michael's words against him and mm. says, you're running out of time and we're your only option. And he's got like, he's got this look on his face and he almost does like a little chuckle. And to me, that that was a, damn, this woman just turned my words around on me. Or it was similar to like, a, this is going exactly how I planned it to go. Mm. It was almost a sadistic looking smile and grin. And it's so hard to tell with Ted Danson when he's playing the evil role and the good role. Mm. Because I know in episode one of season one, when he tells Eleanor that she's in the good place for the very first time, he pauses ever so slightly right before and says, you're in the good place. And there's this little glint of a smile on his face. And it's it reminded me a lot of when he says this in uh, in this most recent episode. So I'm just hanging on to that little moment Mm -hmm. because it looked like there was something underneath it. Okay. I wonder if there could be an element of pride. <laughs> like, oh, that's that's like, absolutely true. You know, like, that, that could be very true. Yeah. Well, Michael and Eleanor also share this really great look when he tells her that she was really selfish and Janet pops up, right? And she's got the, the Coke and the train Your escape ready. train is ready. Yeah, exactly. And both M- Michael and Eleanor kind of look like... S- a little bit suspiciously at each other, but also kind of like a, see, I told you, you suck kind of thing. (laughs) And you know it. But also a little element of pride, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, huh. Okay. She really is terrible. Like me. (laughs) There could definitely be a pride element there. Mm. Maybe. I wonder if they're going to be like the two buddies in class who are just... Making fun of Chidi and <laughs> what a nerd and like throwing spitballs at Tahani. <laughs> oh man, Wasn't Michael me. and Eleanor BFFs. Oh my gosh, oh, I want this reality. Okay, <laughs> shall we continue? Yep. Unwiped, the core four attend orientation where Vicky breaks out into song and they prepare their game plan. Team Cockroach for the win. Yep. So everyone is back in their premiere episode outfits. Michael's got his peacock bow tie. Oh, yeah. And Tahani has that beautiful flower dress. Oh, so nice. And Janet is back in her season one, like early season one outfit. Oh, I'm so happy. So happy. She looks so lovely. It's nice to see that we really have reset. And I like that callback to episode one. It rewards people who are really paying attention. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that we are resetting. We're going right back to the beginning here, except the world has changed. Things are different now. Slightly. We've got Michael on our side. Mm-hmm. Reluctantly. And Vicky <laughs> is best person. Yes. She's not going to be playing the real Eleanor. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if Janet is now going to be reporting to Vicky since she's supposed to be in charge. Because Jason asks, are you going to rat us out? And Janet has this whole speech about how she can't lie. But I do recall last season that she wasn't allowed to disclose any personal information about the residents, which is what she told Michael when he was asking who she was married to. 
Um, so it seems like some programs can maybe override others. Hmm. And her speech at the end of the episode feels really casual when she Very just says, casual. you know, I'm up for whatever schemes you guys come up with. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, is this still Janet? That was such a great moment. I wonder if we're going to see more. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And then we get Janet's little tidbit at the end saying, nope, not a robot. I like that. We're still doing that. Yep. Keep clarifying those people, Janet. Don't let them misrepresent you. Mm-hmm. Not a girl, not a robot. All right. So, Jason, what are you looking forward to seeing in the next episode? I'm wondering if they're going to rehash some moments from season one, mm. but slightly different. Okay. Like the sinkhole. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying to not think too much about it mm-hmm. because I like to be surprised. Right. But I don't really have any thoughts because this episode was very much a segue episode transitioning from not knowing to knowing mm-hmm. and teaming up with Michael. Because I mean... 90% of this episode took place in Eleanor's house. Yep. Just chatting back and forth. Yeah, it was a bottle episode it pretty was, much. It was almost an entire bottle episode, which is fine. It wasn't my favorite episode, but I understand it had to be made. Mm-hmm. I still really enjoyed it. I thought it was great, even if it was a segue episode. Mm-hmm. Gave us a lot of little interesting tidbits. Yeah, I think it's my least favorite episode so far. Oh, yeah? Yep. Okay. I disagree. But I can't think of what my least favorite one is. I just, I still like this one. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to ethics class with Michael. I think it's going to be really fun. I'm excited to see what Chidi starts off with. If he's going to go back to Plato and Aristotle first. Mm -hmm. Start from the beginning. Or if he's going to go with something a little bit more obscure. I'm very curious and I'm excited to, uh, to dig into that philosophy. I'm excited to have Chidi start his lesson and then Michael just go (laughs) boring get off the stage nerd I think that's very likely wait are is that sorry was that Michael or was that Eleanor Michael (laughs) that was Michael (laughs) I mean it could have been Eleanor as well and then they both high five each other Mm mm-hmm all right so before we finish up our episode we're going to read some listener feedback and uh and some emails that we got from you guys mailbag mailbag reading all your mail discussing it all for you we've got mail all right so before we actually get to the mail i just wanted to say for all the listeners who are not on twitter uh last week Kristen bell did a ama on reddit and i did get to ask her a few questions one of them was Have you taken an interest in philosophy since starting the show? And she answered, I've definitely taken more of an interest in philosophy, but I was always sort of preoccupied with why we should be nice to each other and how we can do it best. That was a pretty cool moment. It was nice to talk to Kay Bell for a second. Obviously, she's doing pretty good on the being nice to other people and doing it best. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you saw any of her posts after the hurricanes, you know that she is doing some good stuff out there. So our first question comes from Joss at Joss Ruckus on Twitter. She said, isn't it interesting that even though Eleanor is probably the worst of them, they all defer to her leadership? I think it's because she's the most outspoken. Okay. Jason's not going to step up 
when he does, it's just about some random stuff. Chidi is way too passive. Tahani would, but she's not interested in the situation. She's more interested in her sin. She's more interested in herself. Okay. So I think it defaults to Eleanor, and she has no problem with that. Yeah, I think she also kind of presents herself as the boss of them, too. Right? She's taking charge because she's strong-willed and very outspoken. And she also is the one who figures it out almost every time. Right. And this time she kind of figured it out with Chidi by default. They saw Todd, the burning demon dude. Mm-hmm. So she didn't really figure it out, but she would have. Yeah, and I wouldn't say it's necessarily her leadership in this episode, because really, Chidi is the one who brings them together. Chidi is the one who gets Eleanor to change her mind. So it's more that they just need to get Eleanor on board, because they can't do this if the four of them aren't in it together. She may present as the leader, but I think it's Chidi who's the one who's actually leading everyone. Mm, okay. He's the one bringing them together through their lessons and teaching them and molding them. Oh, does that mean Chidi is the heart of the group? Yeah. Okay, that makes me very happy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. All right, that's very nice to just think about. Um, okay. Our next comment comes from Katie Hawks at Katie Hawks on Twitter. She predicts that Vicky will try to seduce Chidi and that he will know he should play along, but Kant wouldn't approve, so he can't end up going through with it. So he's going to blow it for the group? Is maybe that not what... blow it, but maybe kind of lead Vicky into wondering what's going on. So I wonder who Vicky will have chosen for Chidi's soulmate then. Mm, will she have chosen herself? Will she have chosen herself? Interesting. Yeah. I want to see who ends up being everybody's soulmates. Because huh. we're seven days in and we don't know yet. Nope. We're assuming when Vicky restarts that she's going to default to the original plan for day one. Oh, so Eleanor so would just Eleanor be... So Eleanor could be Chidi's soulmate. Right. And Tahani and Jason soulmates again. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think that would be the simplest way to go about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that's what they do. Yeah. And in, if that's the situation, honestly, I don't see Vicky trying to seduce Chidi. Unless, of course, she goes along with the plan that... That she's the real Eleanor. But that, but she that doesn't work. she's already in the neighborhood. It could be possible that she tries to do some sort of plan where they mix things up, or she was really supposed to be Chidi's soulmate. There could be something like that. We have yet to find out. Mm-hmm. Our next comment comes from Mandy at Mandy K. She says, Eleanor is forkin' smart, and she's going to be the one who makes the con work. And uh, our friend Garrett at Garrett CRW replied, I'm going to make the bold prediction and say that Tahani and not Jason will screw it up. I could see that. Okay. Because if Jason's supposed to be silent, he's not really going to be saying anything to Vicky or to the other demons. Right, because Jason's not going to, he won't feel like he's exploding inside because he'll actually be able to talk to the core four and michael when they do their lessons mm -hmm. so he is going to have an outlet a way to vent his frustration or to to talk to his buds well he'll have a bud hole which is classes probably yeah and yeah he'll have an opportunity to be his true self around people mm -hmm. okay tahani might 
end up being the one who blows it. Mm-hmm. I agree with Mandy, though. I think she's Eleanor is going to be the one who makes it work for sure. She's going to keep people in line. <laughs> Max at Dreadful Gate. By the way, I love that Twitter handle, Max. Uh, he said, is it just me or is the good place starting to feel a lot like the prisoner? The neighborhood has always reminded me of the village. Now, I believe we brought up this comparison last season, but I still haven't seen The Prisoner. So for any listeners out there who have seen it, that's great. I'm hoping to eventually watch it and get a little bit better of an idea. I'm pretty sure I've been telling her to watch it for years. Okay, okay, calm down. All right. You know the director's amazing. Who is it? Dennis Villeneuve. I'm okay. The Arrival. Oh, okay. Blade Runner. Do you mean Dennis Villeneuve? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Max also said, I believe most of what he says about the bad good place, but that totally feels like a campaign promise. <laughs> okay. So a campaign promise for the actual good place. Yeah, I can see that. Hopefully he will actually live up to those. Or fulfill those promises. Yeah, it's hard to see many how politicians. <laughs> it's hard to see how genuine Michael is actually going to be, mm. just based on his previous actions. But of course, you do some crazy things and de- acts of desperation, and Michael seems like he's getting kind of desperate. Yeah, and Max also wondered: Is Vicky's singing part of the torture, or is that her just being full of herself? <laughs> I think it's her being full of herself. I think it's both. For sure. I think it's her being full of herself, but also knowing that it's just going to annoy people if she's constantly breaking out into song for no particular reason. And the song isn't even relevant. At first, I was afraid I was petrified. Like, what? I will survive? You're in the afterlife, honey. The whole point is that you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) You'll survive in the bad place. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Okay. And he pointed out something that I didn't really notice. That Michael tries to unite the four, but he's just too good at setting them all up to torture each other. So cue the fighting. And they all start fighting. Yeah, it's perfect. I didn't really realize, like, I knew he was laughing at that moment, and I knew why. But I didn't realize how well he had set things up, despite himself. Mm -hmm. That, That was a good call out. Thanks for that. Kate at I Do Human Things said, I defo don't buy Michael's actual good place promise, an act of desperation, but I am excited to see a season of Michael growth in class. If we are to buy his promise slash bribe, a question. Does Janet, she who trains, knows that she is (laughs) in the bad place? They have discussed this in front of her, but I question her comprehension on this particular topic because of highly unusual circumstances. So if they want to travel back to the actual good place, how is she going to react? Will post-excess reboot Janet react poorly to the lies or just smile and okay? If she does, is she corruptible? A lot of interesting Janet questions here. All the Janet questions. I think there's going to be a lot of Janet questions. And it's fun to posturize. Mm -hmm. But it's also fun to just let it play out. True. True, true. Um... I think that she knows that she's in the bad place. Absolutely. I mean, they have discussed this in front of her. Um, She is now very much aware that Michael is a demon, that Michael stole her. And as much as she knows these things, 
I think that she just kind of realizes, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Like, I'm tethered to this neighborhood. Or it's literally not in her programming to react to something like that. Yeah. That's not something that they would have programmed in there. Like, no Janets have ever been stolen before Mm -mm. from what we understand and what we can assume. And no Janets have been through this particular um, situation, right? Being rebooted 802 times. Yeah, and also being in the wrong place, like a good place Janet being in a bad place. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if she's not really capable of caring about, like she wants human beings to be happy for sure, but I don't think that I don't think she cares that where translates. she is. Yeah, I don't think that that translates to I should get them out of here and to safety. I should get them away from Michael. I think it's just I'm tethered to this neighborhood. I will do my job as best as I can do it. That is what I do. Yep. Okay. So very interested to see what happens with Janet for sure. All right. So jumping ahead to some emails that were sent to us. Judy says, what do you think about the fact that the show hasn't addressed family members being in the good place or the bad place? So it's an interesting thought whether our core four has family that moved on to the good place or the bad place. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's relevant to our characters at this point. They're kind of caught up in their own thoughts. And I don't think they've really realized that it's been... They haven't really thought about what it means now that they know how long they've been rebooting mm-hmm. and and that it means that everybody they know and loved is dead. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's really registered to them yet. No, I don't think they can really think too far ahead. And I don't really think they're able to comprehend just exactly how long it has been right. since they've been in the afterlife. Like 350 years is a very long time. Mm-hmm. All of your immediate family has died generations of your family have died yeah we know that eleanor has thought about her parents before um she said you know they were both crappy people they're probably in the bad place so she is thinking about her family but she would not want to spend time with them i Mm -hmm. assume and i don't think tahani would either right but as far as chidi and jason go i think the first time that they were going through the pretend good place they were just so focused on other things that they weren't thinking about past relatives that had had uh, had died and i'm assuming that jason's parents and immediate family were still alive at that time so he probably wasn't thinking about oh well i want to go see my mom or i want to go see my brother or whoever mm-hmm. and same for chidi but now that it's been 350 years i do wonder if we're going to hear about that at some point like maybe if we actually do make it to the actual good place Mm -hmm. someone's gonna see their uncle marv right you know or Um, like a kid that jason didn't realize he had he doesn't seem like the type to use protection i don't want him to be some like random baby daddy kind of (laughs) guy i don't want that so thank you very much for sending your email judy thank you our next email comes from jeff His first comment is about the concept of efficiency. He says the most efficient thing would be for dead things to be dead. Not that the bad place workers had a choice as to whether or not there was an afterlife, but time and energy do seem to be non-factors. And while the other bad place workers seem to be exasperated with Michael's plan, presumably this is an eternal place, so it's not like they're running out of time. This actually makes me sympathize with Michael a little bit. 
The idea of doing anything for eternity, even if it's something I love, like impaling people, is daunting. I agree. Having to do that forever and ever and ever? Oof. You gotta mix it up a little bit. Which is why Michael's doing what he's doing. Right. But... Psychological torture versus physical torture, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But it must be exasperating for the workers because he keeps having to reset. Why do you say that? Because it's the same thing over and over again. Literally being repeated. It's nothing new. Oh, yeah. For the workers, it's... Oh, great. We have to reset the good place again. Oh, and... A few months have passed and resetting again. We have to start all the way from scratch. Yeah, the longest they got to perform the same role was 11 months. Yep. Yeah, okay. His second comment was, I'm glad that you are making some of the Westworld slash dollhouse comparisons. I think there are striking parallels in the memory retention that starts to creep into the host slash dolls and the way that Eleanor seems to retain whatever goodness she acquires in prior iterations. Definitely. We are seeing that she is, for the most part, still fundamentally changed. Even in this episode, she has regressed to almost a pre-death Eleanor. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she even turns around after Chidi says, okay, good luck, and goes to talk to Michael, that's a change. That is. It's a big change. Yeah. And when she says to everyone, that's what Chidi would do, and she's sort of talking about him like he's not around... (laughs) <laughs> that's that's change. Mm-hmm. I could never see pre-death Eleanor saying anything about anybody in that way. I don't even think she would say, oh, well, that's what Gandhi would do. Because she'd be <laughs> like, well, Gandhi was stupid, whatever. Who right. cares about him? He said, what seems to be happening is that the changes that occur in Eleanor are essentially changing who she was as a person or her hardware. So when they wipe her memory or her software... The new software is installed in hardware that was altered in previous iterations. Just like Janet. Just like, yeah, just like Janet and very similar to Echo in Dollhouse, Mm -hmm. right? Changing something fundamentally. And he also called out um, something interesting. I didn't even think of this parallel. He said, it's actually a notable contrast for me that Eleanor and Chidi don't retain their love for each other in the way that Victor and Sierra seem to in Dollhouse. Now, from what I understand, Victor and Sierra's love story is quite popular. Um, The fact that they are able to retain this kind of affection for each other, even in their dull state when they're kind of Mm non-humans. And in every single iteration, every single person that they become, they seem to recognize something in each other. And I like that. I do. I know it's super cheesy and it's like, it's like very improbable. Well, it's like love is deeper than our, you know, our consciousness. Yeah, there's something very romantic about that. So to me, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of nice that Chidi and Eleanor, even though there's obviously some sort of affection, there's some sort of feeling there that it doesn't present in this like lovey-dovey, romantic, we're meant to be together right. kind of thing. Yeah. Like there is an element of that there and you can certainly read into it. But I think that it's a lot less romanticized in this show. Thank you very much for your email, Jeff. We hope to have 
many more Jeff parties <laughs> in our mailbox. <laughs> and our last email comes from Hannah. She sent us a bunch of different thoughts and theories, and some of my favorites are that their neighborhood will actually become a real medium place, which might be a first. Could be interesting. I like that idea. Maybe that'll be a compromise that the good place comes up with. And for Michael as well, like he gets to live there too. And also, I do not trust Mindy St. Clair, even though I love her. She told Eleanor that Eleanor is in love with Chidi the same way that Vicky told Eleanor she was in love with Chidi in season one. This whole, no, 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 you, you do love him. You've been talking about him this whole time. Obviously, you're super in love and you should tell him, girl, hmm. kind of thing. Interesting. I still trust Mindy. I feel like they're going in a different direction with this. But I get what you're saying, because to hear or to figure out that you're in love with someone from someone else is a weird moment, right? Right. To find out that you've had a relationship, that you've slept with somebody many times and not knowing any of them and not remembering it. That's got to be weird. Yeah, that takes away your ability to realize it yourself in this kind of organic way that normally that's how you figure it out. Like, oh, I like this person. Oh, I love this person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's taking that away from them. And that's all for our mailbag. We hope that you like our mail songs. <laughs> We're going to keep trying to change them up. Uh, so send us any suggestions. If you have, you know, a really cool song that you want us to try and make a jingle out of, let us know. Send us a tweet, an email, a pelican, not a pelican, a pigeon, a carrier pigeon. Don't send us a pelican. That's weird. And that brings us to the end of Forking Vulture, a multiverse radio production. We want to hear your thoughts. So write us a note and put it in Janet's mouth. Or better yet, you can find us on Twitter at Multiverse Radio and use the hashtag FBullshirt. We are also on Facebook at Multiverse Radio Podcast. We're on Tumblr, we're on Instagram. Just basically, if you Google Multiverse Radio, you're going to find us. Wait, we're on Instagram? We are on Instagram, too. I've put us on every social media platform. We're on the tubes as well. We're on YouTube if you prefer to listen to us through YouTube. Yes, that's true. If you're at work and your boss is going to notice that you're on some site called Multiverse Radio, but he won't notice that you're on YouTube, <laughs> that's unlikely. <laughs> so, never mind. Anyway, we are on YouTube. Check We're on out. all the platforms, except for SoundCloud, because it sucks. Sorry, SoundCloud. Okay. And you can email us from our website, multiverseradio.ca. Don't forget, it's .ca because we're in Canada. Don't do it. <laughs> so we will see you next week for our review of Season 2, Episode 5, Existential Crisis. I wonder if that's Michael having an existential crisis or Janet. Ooh, I feel like it's going to be Michael, but that could be interesting. Mm -hmm. I want Janet to take the lessons with them, too. <gasps> I hope that's what happens. Please let Janet be in on it. What do you think the whole neighborhood's going to be doing when they're having their ethics lesson? Like, it's like the Truman Show, but Truman's away on vacation. Like, what do they do? They just sit around and wait until Eleanor goes outside? What did they used to do when everybody else was doing their own thing? 
Yeah. They just hang out. They're probably like, I don't know, telling each other jokes, cracking wise. Talking about to people they used to torture. Yeah. Good. Oh, I twisted this one guy and you wouldn't believe how many times I could do it. Good screams in the past. Totes. Top 10 squeals from a family. Oh, they write BuzzFeed articles? Sure. All right. See you guys next <laughs> okay. week. Bye.